0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam School joined as always by my friend and colleague Paul Tenorio. Paul, we haven't done a show with listener questions in quite some time. We're going to do one of those today. But first, we have to talk about the CONCACAF Champions League again. And hopefully we can have a little bit more of a uh, a positive vibes podcast this time around. We've been getting a little negative lately. We know, we know. we're going to try and, and bring some happiness and joy this time around. To the best of our ability, anyway. We're we're too sad, curmudgeons at the end of the day. So there's only so much.
2: More yeah, we, we can't change too much about ourselves, but yeah, we, we 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 like to be positive when we can be, right? Yeah, and
1: speaking of positivity, the Seattle Sounders got a very positive result in the Concacaf Champions League last night, two to two, going down to Mexico City at Pumas, leaving even. There are no away goals in the final, so that's important to consider. Um, But going back to Lumen Field next Wednesday with a scoreline all square and probably a crowd of 60-ish thousand or so. They've already moved 50,000 tickets as of of yesterday, uh, cheering on the Rave Green and what MLS and the Sounders and all of those people or most of those people in the stadium uh, will hope will be a little bit of history for the league uh, with Seattle trying to become the first MLS team to win the CCL. Kind of an interesting game last night. Um, wasn't the prettiest at times. It was played in an absolute downpour in the first half, which certainly affected the proceedings, three penalty kicks, uh, of the four goals, including both of Seattle's goals were on penalties. Pumas went up to nothing in the first half. Juan Dineno, the CCL leading scorer, surprise starter off an injury that he suffered recently getting both of theirs first on a penalty kick. Uh, S- Javier Arriaga, Yaimar, they came together. Uh, brought him down in the box. Some people thought it was a soft penalty. Maybe some people on the show thought it was a soft penalty. And then Dinano rising up for really an excellent header late at first to put Pumas up to nothing. Sounders then fighting back, uh, drawing a penalty in the 76th minute, I want to say. Nico Ladero burying that. And then very late on Christian Roldan uh, getting fouled in the very corner of the box on the end line. I think his back was maybe to goal. Um, but drawing that foul, staying down on the ground. So he made sure it could go to VAR and get called and Lodero burying that as well to send them back to Seattle. Even so, Paul, what, what did you think of this match? What did you think of the,
2: of, of the quality? What did you think of the performance? Um, what were the main takeaways for you? I think for me, the main takeaway was that Seattle is the better team. I think that was clear last night, you know, on the road in Mexico, uh, a a good crowd in attendance for the game. And they looked like the better team. And I thought they deserved at least a point in the game. I thought it was going to be unfortunate. It looked like the result was going to go against them. Um, But certainly they felt like the better team. They played the better soccer. When you talk about kind of the control of the game, I, I never felt like they were out of control of the game. And so that stood out to me. I don't think my opinion has changed at all about Seattle being the favorite. Or, or going into this as the favorite, um, and I thought it showed the character of this team to go down. You can be the better team and go down two nothing on the road and collapse, but this team has leadership, veterans, character, and you saw those people step up in the big moments, right? You saw yep. Christian Rodan draw that penalty. You saw Nico Lodero bury penalties twice with the goalkeeper talking so much trash to him, <laughs> and like <laughs> him giving some, back, back, <laughs> some of it back. By the way, he gave some of it back. And I will say, like, neither my nor Herc Gomez's translation was probably the perfect correct one of what uh Ladero said back, but it was the probably the that we both had correct options for the the Twitter appropriate. Right? This is a family show, so we can't <laughs> we can't say it. But you but, can go check out Paul's Twitter if you want to know. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a good game. I just think I think, you know, Sam, you'll be there next week. I think Seattle Sounders go home as the favorite, as we said before this whole thing started. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that last assertion that you just made. Um, That being
1: said, MLS teams have gone back in good positions before in the CCL final.
2: Undefeated on the road in CCL finals, MLS teams. Yeah, kind of amazing. Um,
1: You know, RSL, general manager Garth Lagerway, now general manager of the Seattle Sounders. They went down to Monterey in 2011, probably a better team than, than what Pumas is right now. And they drew two to two. At Monterey, they went back home to a place where they like never, ever, ever lost. And they lost one-nothing and lost that final. Montreal, four years later in 15, they drew at the Azteca against Club America.
2: And a then they went very back, good Club America team.
1: Then they went back home, played at Olympic Stadium, couldn't quite hang on in the second half of leg two. Uh, and then Toronto, of course, being the third. You know, they they actually lost leg one at BMO Field against a Chivas team that wasn't great. And then they went down and won in Guadalajara in leg two, and then of course lost in penalties. So MLS teams have, they've been here before and will the Sounders be able to get it over the line? I think they will. Um, And that's because of the character aspect that you mentioned, right? There was, there was somebody on Twitter that, that Matt Doyle quote tweeted, and I thought it summed it up perfectly. It's Anthony K photos said that that was 70 minutes of every single possible reason mls will never win bad calls missed chances and a mistake punished followed by 30 minutes because this game had 10 minutes of stoppage time in the second half um of why the sounders just may do it and i thought that was a perfect summarization a summary of this game because you had Rui diaz missing on the doorstep Right, you had a suspect penalty. You had Mozo, the right back for Pumas, who's one of their most important players, go off his 19 year old replacement, who's really inexperienced and doesn't have a lot of appearances on the professional level, coming on and delivering an awesome, awesome cross because the Sounders didn't quite get out to him fast enough, right onto the head of Dinano, who punishes them for their mistake. And then it's two nothing, and you're thinking, uh oh. Right. Then that Rui Diaz mischance that I mentioned. And you're like, oh man, it, this this feels like I, I tweeted it at the time. I was like, this feels like it ain't it ain't happening. Like it's just kind of one of those things, the mystique of MLS versus Liga Mac East in this competition. And then they they turn the tide. And I thought I just thought it was really mature, basically. They never lost their heads. Um it was sort of similar to what we saw in leg two of the semifinal against NYCFC. and and where they were under it and you know probably eight out of ten times New York City FC scores enough goals to at least force penalties in that match Um, but the Sounders kind of embraced the dark arts in that game this game not quite as much um, because they were on the comeback trail Uh, but you know doing the smart things doing the mature things Christian Roldan laying on the ground to make sure that that thing could go to VAR And the goal kick couldn't be taken, right? All of that stuff, it matters. And, and I think we saw that from the Sounders on Wednesday night. I'm sure we'll see it from them next Wednesday in leg two. And that to me, I mean, obviously you have to have the talent, but that to me is the main reason why I think this team has a better chance than probably any other team than we've, than we've seen in MLS at this stage of the competition
2: of actually winning. Well, that's the thing that stands out to me about this champions league final in general, You know, we've talked about this before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more on the show and certainly next week, no matter what the result is. But what happens in this tournament is not indicative in the larger picture of MLS catching Liga Mechies, right? Like that that has to happen over a sustained amount of time over a number of wins. But there is no club. I, I don't think that there's any club in MLS more deserving to be the first to win CONCACAF Champions League than the Seattle Sounders. And there's no club that I would rather see go to the club world cup to represent major league soccer for the first time than the Seattle Sounders. They are the most stable, most consistent and most successful club in this league since they came into it in 2009. Yeah. And we saw that last night. I think we'll see it at home next week. And so while part of me, you know, wants to pump the brakes on what the narrative will be around winning this tournament, for Major League Soccer, the other part of me thinks no, like the Seattle Sounders should be rewarded for the way that they've run that franchise, the success they've had, the way they put that roster together. That, that is a team capable of competing, in my opinion, with any of the teams in Mexico. This is a good example of a, a one-off team, not a one-off team, but, you know, the one or two or three teams in MLS who have strong enough rosters to go and compete with the best of Liga Mechis on any given day down in in any competition. And this is not the best of League of And McKees. this is not the best is. But I but I believe that this Seattle team could compete against the best of League of McKees. And so, you know, yeah, I think it's you look at it and you think about what they've done, you think about the fact that Garth Lagerway has been, you know, the best general manager in the league consistently. And, you know, our GM survey showed that he's thought of that that way around the rest of the league as well. They deserve it. And so it, it's it's not an uh, it would not be an undeserved moment for that club. Um, and you know, I, I think it sets up for a pretty cool, potentially probably the best way for an MLS team to do it in general, like I want the, right the right, the right atmosphere.
1: I want to explore this idea a little bit further though, because MLS is such a weird league, right? Because here we are, we're talking about Seattle and them being, you know, one step away from this historic achievement. And on the one hand, when you look at it from a strictly Sounders perspective, it's an incredible thing if they go out and win it and they bring it home right? What, what a massive accomplishment for that club, a real, the the one trophy they haven't won basically since they came into MLS, actually not basically the only trophy they haven't won since they came into MLS. Uh, And what a way to kind of cap a decade plus of, you know, not dominance necessarily, but excellence in this league. On the other hand, MLS is in this position and, and we do this all the time. We're certainly guilty of it, but every little thing that happens in this league, on an individual team level can sort of be viewed through the lens of what does this mean for MLS? What does this mean for American soccer? And there's going to be a lot of that with this game. I'm going to write about it. Like, I'm sure you'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it right now, (laughs) but like to your point, I don't know that one individual thing means all that much, right? This is like, I don't know, Michigan and Ohio state playing in college football and Ohio state winning 14 out of 15 and then Michigan winning one year right? Like you need to stack the success for this to actually mean something. But at the same time, before you can win five times, you got to win once, (laughs) right? You have to take that first step. So for the Sounders, I think it's an incredible accomplishment if they do it. But for MLS, it's the end of one journey,
2: right? And the beginning of another. It could be the beginning of another, to your point. It could be. Like, how do they how do they turn into the beginning of another? Because if they come back next year and lose again and then lose again and then they lose again, then it was a blip. It wasn't the beginning of anything. Well, so, it's a beginning of a journey that where well, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, the way I think of it is if Montreal had pulled off that amazing run and won, you know, back in the day would seven years ago would it have been considered transformative for the league? Like, was that a transformative moment for the league? That was like George Mason making a run to the final four. Right. And so while this team, the Seattle team is more deserving, right? They're more like battle tested. They've won all the trophies. They're one of the better clubs. They're considered worthy the way I just talked about them. It doesn't change the fact that one year winning one year doesn't, flip the narrative and and that was reflected sam in our gm survey right like that's what a lot of people said is mls is capable of having one or two or three teams competing in these tournament style games and it's why leagues cup is perfectly set up for major league soccer to to shift that narrative um potentially but you know sustained success will be the measure of the growth of this league and and, and that's just the reality. And it should be that way. It should yeah. be that way. And yeah. I think that's the attitude down in Mexico. I don't, was it Ochoa, Memo Ochoa, who said, you know, until they're winning Champions League consistently, you know, they, they can't really speak about catching league Mequis or something like that. I'll have to, I'll have to try to find yeah. that quote, but it, well, he did say something along those lines. Yeah. I think that's essentially, you know, the point, but again, it doesn't take away from this Sa- sounders team that I believe is, you know, is capable of, and, and it has more than any other MLS team shown itself capable of competing year in and year out at the top of the league and, and, and thus with the better teams in the region.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, this year is a weird year. We've talked about that on the show before in terms of the league MX
2: contingent in this competition,
1: not being all that strong. Um, Pumas, not a huge spender in that in that country. Uh, <laughs> they have some good players, for sure. Dineno is is super impressive. And he'll give them a puncher's chance no matter what. Um, I thought the Sounders, to kind of close the loop on the game last night, I thought they were a better team. I don't think they were quite as dominant as some people were giving them credit for. Like, I didn't think it was a particularly well-played game for the most
2: part. There wasn't a ton of soccer going on. Yeah, I don't think dominance is the right way to put it. I think they were in control. Like, they never felt out of control of the game. I would say say it was more they weren't out of control. Yeah. Right? But, like... they
1: never really felt like they were putting their stamp on it apart from some minute minutes no, here and there. That just, being said, I was exhausted last night watching this game. So maybe my recollection's a little off.
2: Yeah, I had a latte before that off. late start, March, man. Yeah. We're yeah. old, Paul. Very we're old. old and washed. Very old. I'm still feeling the effects of staying up that far <laughs> past my bedtime. <laughs> um well sam we're doing this q a and we do have several ccl questions so i thought we'll 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 start our q a in this segment with these ccl questions and and we'll start off with kind of um not not the ones i want to close with which are directed towards you but i i thought um you know one interesting thing was um if the sounders make the club world cup what would the expectations for their performance there be and what does or doesn't that do for the league That was a roll dog. I am the casual fan is the Twitter name. What do you, what do you guys say? (laughs) I love when we have to read these. They're so, it's just bizarre. Um, Well, first of all,
1: there's no plan really for the club world cup. I don't think coming up, it's all kind of up in the air still. Um, So assuming there is one and assuming it goes forward and it's eight teams or whatever it usually is. uh, I, I mean, I don't know.
2: Do people pay attention to this tournament? I never have. I mean, I, Chelsea won it, right? I mean, the it would be – I certainly would pay attention to it if the Sounders are in it. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool if they went and they, they took
1: on the European champion or the South American champion and they gave them a real game or or even won, right? Like, that would be a big thing. Um, But, it, like, is that going to, like, draw a ton of eyeballs to MLS on its own? Like, no. Um, But, but that being said, it's similar to CCL, right? It's stacking the successes. Right, and so like that's what you have to do if you're MLS. This is a long, long, long process of trying to get more people to pay attention and support this league. And the more successes that you have to stack, the better story you can tell, and theoretically, the more people you can draw in. So every little bit helps, is how I would put it. But I wouldn't expect even if the Sounders to win and won a theoretical Club World Cup, whenever it may or may not happen, um, even if they went and won it, like that's not going to mean like oh the league's arrived. Like, no. But it's a nice story, and it, it'd be it'd be
2: cool. Well, I think that's it's the unfair nature of sport and of narratives, right? MLS will benefit if they win Champions League and spinning the narrative that they're catching Liga Mechis, whether that's true or not. But on the flip side, the pro- progress made by that league will not be determined by, but there will be a lot of opinions that get swayed by the results of one or two games at the Club World Cup. That there will be immense amount of pressure on the Sounders team to perform well because there are a lot of people who have their minds made up about what MLS is what the quality of play is and you have to change those opinions and we talk about it all the time there is a perception gap that exists it's very real like if you speak to people in the UK there's no doubt in their mind that every championship team or most championship teams are far better than MLS teams and 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 if you talk to MLS fans or even us when we talk to people in the league who have played in both leagues or coached in both leagues or worked in both leagues, they tell you that's not true. And those opinions are still shouted down by the fans that shows that perception gap. Right. And, you know, I remember speaking to Jesse Marsh about it. You know, he would, uh, when he was in Austria, that there's in his mind, there was Salzburg that would definitely win MLS obviously, and maybe one or two other teams in that league that would be competitive in MLS. And then every other MLS team would win, would, would be at the top of the table or near the top of the table. That's not how it's perceived. Are you sure? Yeah. Austria. I mean, I've, seen, I've seen the arguments on Twitter. I've seen people talking about it when they talk about American players going to play in Austria or the level of Brendan Aronson in Austria. And, and so in you know, this tournament would be important in trying to close that perception gap to some degree. You're not going to win over everybody with one or two performances, and it's not fair to MLS, right? Again, it's it's one or two games, but I think that would be the pressure around the Club World Cup, and I think the expectations are, you know, just to be competitive, but the the responsibility or the pressure on the team to represent an entire league would be very real. It would be very real. Yeah.
1: Um, Paul, before we wrap this this segment, a few more questions from listeners. Jamie Edwards asks, uh, how many bags of Skittles would be needed to lure Beast Mode Marshawn Lynch to the CCL final? Uh, some context on this. Marshawn Lynch and the Sounders put out an awesome video <laughs> the other day, kind of building up and hyping up this series. Go watch it if you haven't already. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's a minute. It's great.
2: How many bags of Skittles, Paul? Well, Marshawn gets free Skittles because he's sponsored by them. So, what Marshawn wants and has shown pretty consistently across his career that he's good at getting is bags of money. And so, it'd probably take a few bags oh. of money to get Marshawn to be at the stadium. I think I don't he'll know. be there. You did the commercial for him I, already? I, I think he'll be there. I think he'll hype the crowd up before the game. The question would be whose speech would be better. We saw Garth Lagerway get on the mic at the stadium to hype the fans up about Champions League. Are Did you gonna put, Are you gonna ask Garth Lagerway or Marshawn Lynch? Like, you, are you gonna seriously ask that? I, I I think that you have to ask the question of of whose performance was more transcendent, Garth Lagerway, you know, or or Marshawn Lynch.
1: Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: kind of question is that. Uh, I saw some funny comments that were, uh, I thought I had one funny comment, I should say of, of uh, equating, equating cars performance to a Vince Mc- Vince McMahon esque, I believe was what it was. I saw something about PT Barnum that I enjoyed
1: <laughs> for those, for those who have had no idea what we're talking about. He gave a speech, I think before Seattle played Inter Miami at home um, after they advanced from the semifinal and, and was just like, basically like, this is our shot at immortality. And it, it was it was weird. I enjoyed it. Um, it it was longer than the Marshawn Lynch video, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah. Um, you can go check that one out, and you know, form your own opinions. <laughs> um, all right. I'm gonna close it off. One, you know, Peter Thompson put in a suggestion of putting all of the um, Champions League finals on one day. Cool idea. I don't think FIFA would do it, but you know, maybe it would generate a Is bigger a- audience. It'd be, it'd be. Those are, all, those are UEFA. Yeah, and, they're all the different, I think. But, I, yeah. I mean, like, Infantino is going to be at the final on Wednesday presenting the trophy. I think uh, they allegedly. Were, he was supposed yeah, to be at he, the game
1: last it, night, and he wasn't. It, so. it rained,
2: you know? It rained. Yeah. Um, lastly, you know, we'll end it with this. Sam, you are flying to Seattle, I, I think. Yeah. Um, I we got a couple questions, and and I I think this is the, the better way to put it from Michael Karsner. Uh, Von Pullman also asked a question, but he said, um, what – we are all wondering this is what michael carson said we are all wondering including me what kind of reaction you will have <laughs> in the press box when new, who scores his first goal yeah. in the concacaf champions league final to win it can you think of anything more fulfilling in your per- professional or personal life sam
1: no obviously not um what will my reaction be? Impossible to say, really. But I'm imagining something along the lines of standing up on the on the work surface in the press box, somehow breaking the glass window that's that's quite thick at Lumen Field, breaking it, throwing my laptop into the crowd, and then I think just leaving and and probably <laughs> deleting my Twitter account. Uh, Lyle, Lyle does not like this answer. Deleting my Twitter account, certainly quitting my job, maybe moving to a different country and assuming a new identity—something um, along those lines. But I can't promise anything.
2: Yeah, quite reasonable.
1: Thank you. Stay with us. We'll be back next segment with more of your questions about a lot of other issues. Or not, MLS.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes. ...and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't
1: get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. We are diving in to your questions. We have answers. Will they be satisfactory? Maybe. A hard maybe. Um, First question was not really directed towards us, but we thought it was interesting. Taylor Twelman of ESPN tweeted something on Wednesday uh, referencing a report about NHL viewership now that they have switched from NBC and NBCSN to TNT and ESPN and ABC for a deal that I want to say is $600 million a year um, in total, if I'm remembering correctly. Paul, does that sound right? I should probably have have looked that up before we started recording. Whatever. Um, Taylor Twelman tweets. TNT... Which had the tonnage of NHL cable TV games this season, with 51 telecast, average 361,000 viewers, which is up 29 percent from what NBCSN drew last season. That's a quote from an article on Awful Announcing. Isn't it funny? Taylor writes, "How certain sports are portrayed as successes, while soccer slash MLS has always a negative connotation in regards to television
2: audience and TV ratings. Why?" Hall. Why? Well, first of all, I think because those numbers are better than what MLS does. I think we can start there. Yeah, that's um, a good place to start. There there are more games broadcast and at better average numbers for the regular season than what MLS does. And especially if we're looking at this year. Um, you know, significantly above what's been happening this year. First, I think also it's wor- worth acknowledging that MBCsN I think had had its own issues, its own set of issues as far as accessibility. I think you, you kind of had more eyeballs on the NHL just by the new partnerships um, with Turner um, than previous years. But really what stands out to me is you're not paying that money for the NHL just for the regular season. The payoff is coming right now during the playoffs. Yeah. The playoff games draw big numbers. You know, we we start to get into the seven figures for playoff games consistently over the course of these series that are played out for months and months plus
1: Mo- a couple months.
2: Yeah, a couple months. Yeah, and so that's where the money comes from. You know, there are a lot of people. You know, even like myself, like I live in Chicago. I grew up a Capitals fan, and I don't get that many national TV games. You know, you get your you 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 put it on your calendar when you're on TV, and you try to watch it where you can. But you get to watch every single one of your team's games in the playoffs and you make it appointment viewing. And and the numbers reflect that. And MLS doesn't do that. They don't draw millions of people to their playoff games. And so that, to me, is where the big difference is. Am I, yeah. am I off base on that, Sam? No, I think you're right. And, and to just kind of
1: hammer home the difference in, in viewership here, you know, a lot. <laughs> TNT is averaging 361,000. Viewers for the regular season broadcast. That's not an overwhelming number by any means. Um, but so far, and it's early, um, but so far on eight broadcasts this year, ESPN's averaging 219,000. And on eight broadcasts this season, Fox FS1 is averaging 143,000, right? So you're talking about like time and a half basically for the ESPN numbers and, and like what is that? Almost 3x the FS1 number? Like that's a big difference. And, and, and that doesn't account for the playoffs, which are coming. So I don't know. The the, the thing about it is 600 million is a lot. That's a lot of money. They do get more inventory than what MLS is going to have. Um, but the MLS deal, if it gets to a third of 600 million, I think would be positive. I don't know that it's going to. Um, of course I say that without knowing what Apple might be offering and that's kind of the big unknown in this equation, but yeah, I think that's why. And I think the other thing is, you know, MLS isn't really having those big percentage increases for the most part. Even if you look at the ESPN, ABC family or the Fox family numbers, where you're accounting for the broadcast games that are going over the air on big ABC and big Fox last year, I think the averages were, it it was 210,000 for Fox and FS1 combined, and 276 for ESPN and ABC combined in the regular season. That's uh, not all that much. Um, so, you know, we've talked about it a lot. MLS has a viewership problem. Um, I don't know why it's portrayed as is this positive story for NHL and why it's negative for MLS necessarily, but I would imagine if MLS has a similar increase next year, in the first year of its new rights deal, then we'll probably have see some positive press along the along the same lines that we saw in that story about the NHL.
2: I think the other part of the problem, Sam, is that MLS is compared with the global soccer leagues, and that's a reality the NHL doesn't have to worry about. You know, they are considered the best league in the world for for
1: people aren't watching the
2: Swedish Hockey League. They're not the watching KHL the over Hockey, no in K-HL here, and you know, and so those numbers that MLS is drawing the fact that they are ranking behind Liga Mekis, behind the premier league. And I know people like to, to bring up the NWSL numbers on CBS, which are different than what MLS is doing on cable. You know, that's where the, the, the negativity really comes in is that MLS still ranks, you know, as the third or fourth or fifth most popular soccer league in its own country. And, and that's, I think where that kind of negative tinge creeps in, but it's just a reality that they have to face. They they have competition that doesn't exist for other sports, and that they have to acknowledge. eventually, that we can see the differences between the the number of people showing up to stadiums around markets for MLS. That there is local support when when you don't have kind of the the local competition for soccer fans. But the problem comes in when you do have global competition for television audiences people can choose what soccer they want to watch on a weekend and they're not choosing mls
1: yep that's pretty much it we do have some more questions on the tv deal that i want to get to um one is from jason garman he's just asking for the latest basically here we are basically we're a month out from the end of the first quarter when Don Garber said he hoped to have a deal finalized and announced, uh, does the lack of an announcement so far mean it was actually waiting slash hinging on the Warner slash discovery murder merger, which would allow Turner sports to get in the game. Or is there just an impasse between the league and potential bidders on value? Paul, do you want to take this one? Do you want to start? Do you want me to start?
2: No, you've been, you've been making a lot more phone calls on this than I have. What are, what are you hearing? Um, you know, specifically on this question, not a ton.
1: Um, you know, I don't want to say I'm like reporting this information. If I had to guess, and I, th- I think it's an educated guess, but it is mostly a guess. It's more of an impasse between the league and bidders on value than anything else. Um, than a Warner Discovery merger or, or what have you. I think the league is just trying to get that number up as much as it can. Um, and I think that's taking a little bit longer than they initially hoped. So I think that's the main reason for the holdup at this point. Um, but the clock is ticking, um, especially with, with regards to those local deals and whether or not they're going to bring those all in house, because if they are going to go back to local TV, they need to get those deals sorted out in each individual market. And they, they kind of need to get, get that ball rolling
2: pretty soon. So we'll see. I would
1: expect some movement soon on this.
2: And Sam, that goes into the next question from Jake Boswell 10. He says any chance all games outside of nationally televised matches go to a single streamer like ESPN plus, I think that's still in play, right? I mean, yeah, th- yeah there definitely. is a consideration from the league to, to bring production in house for the local broadcast and, to, to sell that as one package. Yep, and that
1: could be Apple TV+, Plus. that could be ESPN+, that could be HBO Max or Discovery or whatever. Um, but yeah, I would think that's still in play, whether or not that's one broadcast for each match or if they have two crews for for each game, one for each team, who knows. Um, but I think, I don't know, I would imagine that that is still in play. And Paul, here's, here's the big one. It's from Mula Atari. If the new TV deal meets or exceeds MLS's expectations, how realistic is it that the league will loosen spending restrictions? And if they did so, could that happen anytime soon? Or would the league wait to change things until after the end of the current CBA, which is still, what, five years down the road?
2: Yeah, I mean, I actually think there's a better chance that change happens faster if the TV deal falls far short of expectations. I think that if, if the Interesting. league is saying, Interesting. I think, I think if the league is disappointed and the ownership group especially is disappointed with the numbers that they get in this TV deal, they will be forced to think about what they have to do differently in order to put together a better product or that that TV networks look as look at as more enticing and more valuable and that can give them a bigger media rights payday. Um, if the deal meets or exceeds MLS expectations, then why change anything? Well, because he would have the money to do so. Yeah, well, we know that there are some built-in triggers to to change things a little bit in that there is a media revenue share that goes, a percentage of which goes into the player pool. Now, will that go into the bonus structure? Will it go into um, the cap itself? You know, how that works is to be determined and is obviously tied very specifically to the money in the next TV deal. So there are considerations about, putting more money into the league if they do well. I think it would have to be exceedingly good to make changes immediately because I do think that there are owners that are going to look at any increased revenue as just that increased revenue to make up for the losses that they've suffered over the last few years or longer, depending on how long they've been in the league. I, I don't think, you know, and I, I don't, I, I didn't listen to the audio specifically, but I know Gavin Wilkinson did a podcast with, reporters in Portland and was asked this question. And he said that he didn't believe any sort of changes were going to come to the league until after the world cup at the earliest 2026 world cup. So, you know, I tend to, I tend to kind of think that way too. And it's worth noting that Merritt Paulson who owns the Timbers is on the product strategy committee. So, you know, if anyone would have a vibe of what the conversations are like, you would expect that Gavin Wilkinson would be one of the, the league CSOs who would know. We can't say that for with certainty, but you know, certainly if you wanted and you know to get at least a vibe, you might be able to. I just think that um I think that they've negotiated as hard as they did on the CBA for a reason. I think they negotiated to push back the, the years of the CBA for a reason. And I would feel less inclined for major changes to happen until after until at least a few years after a new TV deal where, where they kind of can make up for some losses. I agree with a lot of what you just said, but a few
1: things that I want to sort of hit back on sort of clarify. I just looked at the Gavin Wilkinson quote. I think he was more talking about structural changes than like salary cap changes. So just to clarify that, I think if the league does get a, a significant amount of money, 200 million, 250 million per year, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but if they do, hypothetically, I think spending would go up and I don't think it would wait, um, you know, to address that part of the question we've seen league make changes mid CBA frequently in the past. um, And I don't think they would wait until the end of of this current deal to really increase spending if they get the number that they want this time around. So I I think that would happen sooner rather than later. Will it happen? Eh. I don't know. <laughs> I think I mostly agree with your with your point that if it's a if it's a bad deal, then there are then there's potential for more I would say if it's if it's a deal that falls short of expectations, the potential for those big structural changes is significantly higher. Um, I think that the potential for immediate monetary expand the budget changes is lower than there would be if it was a big lucrative new TV deal. So that's, that's kind of my take on that subject.
2: All right. Well, I think we covered most of the TV deal questions that we got. Yeah, We got a lot of them, man. People are interested in this thing. Um, All right. Let's look at the next kind of topic that came up frequently in the questions that we got on Twitter, and that was the transfer window. Understandably so the primary window for major league soccer ends next week, May 5th, I believe is the final day of the window. Um, Some teams are trying to get deals done before the deadline. Some are saying, hey, we're done until at least the summer. Um, But, you know, understandably, a lot of curiosity around what will happen in that window. And Sam, here's a quick one to answer. Uh, What the hell are Tim Bezbachenko and Caleb Porter playing at? (laughs) This is from Andrew Johnson. Yeah,
1: so that is referencing the Giassi's artist trade. Uh, He is now in Colorado, 300,000. and guaranteed allocation money. That number could rise way higher, depending on different incentives or benchmarks that he could hit. Um, what are they playing at? I mean, I think a new DP striker. If I had to guess, that's sort of the rumor that's been floating around that I've heard about. Um, I, think I don't said know. It. I think yeah, said I don't, it. yeah. I don't know if that would happen this window or in the summer. I would say maybe lean towards summer. Um, Caleb Porter had a somewhat bizarre quote. I thought uh, that came out recently. Where he sort of I don't know it wasn't it certainly was not complimentary of Giannis artists. I understood what he was saying that hey you know we're we're getting rid of this guy who's maybe maybe getting rid of him a year too early as opposed to a year too late that sort of philosophy um, he didn't say it in the most diplomatic way possible in my opinion uh, but that's kind of Caleb Porter's vibe um, so yeah I, in terms of what they're playing at I think they just I think they just wanted a change up there they were exploring that this offseason. Um, Colorado, I think is a good fit for them for Giassi. Uh, and I'm curious to see what he can do. We have that USMNT striker conversation a lot, Paul, the way that Colorado play, the way they create chances, a a new fresh scenery, a fresh head coach. Maybe that could work wonders for him. Maybe he starts banging in goals and maybe he works his way back into the picture after kind of falling out of favor following the January and February window.
2: Yeah. And I do want to, to add that, um, Merlo, Cielo Merlo, Cesar Luis Merlo, reported earlier today or yesterday, I should say, that the crew have already made an offer for a striker in Argentina, uh, an Estudiantes striker, Gustavo del Prete. Um, They made an offer. Estudiantes owns 60% of the pass, City Torque owns the other 40%, but that they considered Estudiantes considered the deal insufficient and they don't intend to sell him now. So it looks like Columbus is at least trying to see if they can get something done in the next week, um, typically not too easy to do that with DP deals because of the amount of money that's being exchanged, but I wouldn't rule it out completely if it's already public and it's already being reported. Those conversations were, were likely happening behind the scenes already. Um, and certainly the scouting was already being done. And, And that leads me into a question from Tim Thompson. Are more transfers going to happen before the window closes? I think the answer is yes. I think we will see a couple moves happen before the window closes, um, you know, I know of at least a couple that, you know, where discussions are happening, so. Oh, do you? Yeah, so I, I think Tell us if, more, Paul. No, there's you know, I told exactly how much I wanted to tell just then. That's not fair. I don't like but what you just said. I don't like fair. it. I just said one of them. I just said that Merlot reported one deal that's attempting to happen for Yeah, the you weren't talking
1: about that one just
2: now. I was not talking about that one just now. That ship had sailed. Yeah, that's you're, ship you're had just sailed. like, Yeah, I know about
1: stuff, but I'm not gonna tell you.
2: No, you, I I Sam, I said Sam, I know that the there listener. are there are conversations happening between yeah. teams. That's okay. that's not that's not abnormal. But mm-hmm. I think it's indicative of the fact that there are teams who need help faster than others. And those teams that need help, who are looking at the standings and saying, we need to be competitive, are probably making a lot more phone calls than Seattle is or LAFC is, you know, at this point in time. Maybe not LAFC because they have an open DP spot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think that deals could happen because you can't let things get away from you too quickly. Um, but again, There's a difference between wanting to get a deal done and actually being able to get it over the finish line.
1: There sure is. Uh, I would imagine that Atlanta is one of those teams that maybe Paul is talking about because they've had a boatload of injuries. We'll talk a little bit more specifically about their situation in the next segment. Stay with us. We've got more of your questions. Allocation disorder.
0: This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham.
2: All right. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. Sam, there's a a question I found very interesting here in in kind of our section of transfer questions. And it's from Matt Seehoff. He says, now that the flurry of players sold by MLS in the last few windows have played in various leagues for a bit, and there's more data on how MLS players transition into various leagues, how do you think the market for MLS talent has changed in Europe? I think we could actually spend an entire show talking about this, and maybe we will. I I actually had a conversation about it Um, just last night with somebody, but you had a conversation with somebody in the league about this and you probably can summarize it a little bit better than I, how how is it changing right now? Do you think? Yeah. So I interviewed NYCFC sporting director,
1: David Lee about first a variety of topics, but we, we, this came up essentially. And, And what he said was, Hey, we're sort of proving the concept with the Academy players. Right When you talk about the guys that have gone over there, whether it's Brendan Aronson or Joe Scalley or Giovanni Reina or any of the guys from FC Dallas, uh, for the most part, going over there and and doing decently well in a lot of cases. Not every case, but a lot of cases. Gianluca Busio, another one. Um, But when you look at the guys that have been bought from South America or elsewhere and brought to MLS and then resold on or not, you know that that story isn't as good for the league, and there are a lot of reasons for that. I think I think a lot of it is just has to do with the price that these MLS teams are paying for these guys in the first place, sort of restricting the market for for their resale. Um, but in terms of a changing perception, I think more and more European leagues are looking more and more at MLS Academy and American youth players. And I think that's going to continue. I think the next step that MLS has to make is in that resale market, particularly with the under 22 initiative and and being able to flip those players because MLS needs to sell players for financial reasons. <laughs> and and that's a big expense, those players, and you want to start getting a return on them. Um, so I think that's the next step for the league in that regard. But I think the academy stuff, that sh- that's going well, and I expect that it will continue to go well.
2: Well, first of all, I, I shook my head there a little bit because I, I, you and I have both let this slip. We started calling it the U22 initiative. We can't do that. Not on the <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's young money. <laughs> it's young yeah, money. it is. I don't, I don't know what happened. What happened? I don't know, but it was disappointing. And and I've, I've let it happen to myself as well. And we've just got to come back and claim our own <laughs> moniker. Reclaim young, young, young money. money. Um, we used to write young money. We like, wrote just Young Money.
1: The show, just I don't know we, what happened. I, don't I feel know. like this we, is more my fault than yours. It, I think so, too. <laughs> well, I'm glad you agree.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, Sam, I, I do think that homegrown sales are have certainly performed better than anything else MLS has done. But we we spoke to some people during the GM survey who's, who said they felt like the market would reset a little bit. On MLS players, homegrowns as well, because the, the numbers were yeah. getting a little bit out of control. And look, and I, if you I,
1: look at Brian Reynolds and how much he went for and
2: what he's done or Ricardo Pepe and what he's done... Kevin Paredes, who I'm, I still think will be a contributor next season, so I, I don't want to get out too soon. Yeah, and I him.
1: don't, I don't think but, they
2: expected him to be an immediate thing
1: either. So right,
2: and I think, thing. but I think that that price was was significant and showed how quickly the prices jumped, and 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 that was the the transfer that people kept pointing at as saying this is showing that things got a little bit crazy for a while there, and we think it's going to come back down. and And you see even players like Mark McKenzie struggling a little bit overseas. That's going to happen. It's not going to be hundred percent of the transfers out of your country are going to be top level starters right away and, and compete day in day out or ever for that matter. Right. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's gone well when you look at the examples around the league that have gone over. Um, There are, there are a lot of strong examples, but I do think that market's going to reset a little bit as far as what the prices look like for players. Um, I think, but maybe, maybe we'll be wrong Um, or I'll be wrong. You didn't, you didn't say that you agreed with me here. Um, Sam, this was an interesting one. And you know, Sean Hardgrove said, are there any younger or lesser-known players who caught your eye during the during the Ocho or during CCL that you'd like to see in MLS, uh, any clubs that would be interested? I mean, I don't know if you saw
1: this when I put it in the document a few seconds ago, Paul, but I called dibs on your boy, your Tico, Brandon Aguilera, uh, in his first senior cap. Um, and maybe this is recency bias on my part, but he's the guy that came to mind. Uh, midfielder for Costa Rica, I thought he kind of ran that game in San Jose, 18 years old. Uh I can't remember the club. Maybe you can help me out with that.
2: Guanacasteca. He's on there loan from from La Liga, from Alavés, to Guanacasteca right now.
1: So yeah, I think a lot of teams in MLS would be interested in him as as a project and somebody that could develop into a contributor and maybe more than that at some point. Um so that that's my shout. Do you have one specifically?
2: I thought Anthony Contreras, who's also at Guanacasteca and played well in that game against the U.S., will draw some interest from MLS teams. Um, You know, out of the different teams that we saw, I thought Costa Rica, at the end of their window, probably had the players that will be most interesting to MLS teams as well. Um, There weren't a ton of players that stood out to me across the rest of the Ocho. Um, Not ones that
1: we don't know about already, really. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. And um I think, you know, it's tough, right? I, I it's about the right prices now. And when you have those U twenty two slots, a lot of these teams are looking to spend bigger money on those slots versus going to Costa Rica. And then it's also, you know, I think you you have but to perhaps keep in you don't mind- have to
1: perhaps you don't have to use a young money spot on Brandon Aguilera. Well, you, you, know, you, you might not you probably you might not command that kind of that kind of fee or, or salary. I don't know.
2: From what I've understood, there have been MLS teams that have reached out and there has been a price. <laughs> Name that was names, set. Paul. There, there was a price that was set based on a really good performance against the US Men's <laughs> national team. <laughs> what and are we talking? Uh, two uh, two million dollars. It's it's it ten million. It, One no 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 no. It, but it, it's certainly not a oh, it's not a um the numbers have ranged where I think if you if you got in early enough, maybe you got quoted at one number, and if you're not, you got quoted at another number. I think I think the market will kind of calm down a little bit on Aguilera for a while until that number comes back to a place where, yeah, maybe you don't have to use a U twenty two slot on him. Um, Daniel Chacon is another player from Costa Rica who actually played as the number six. <laughs> Paul's just going to
1: name all of the Costa Rican young players. Well, as I said, season. they were they Keep were the going. ones that were
2: Uh, where's where's your cousin on this list by the way he's not on the list yet he's got to he didn't get he didn't get he didn't make the starting lineup for the or or get onto the roster for the actual games that the 20s played. but um if there is an mls team interested i i I know people who know people maybe you can broker a deal and get an agent fee
1: maybe you can have a consulting agreement and help an mls team break the roster rules
2: yeah well i would i would certainly know my way around just reach
1: the singularity and then we'd all fall into a black hole and you know, I'd be wandering the earth without a laptop celebrating new who
2: somewhere. What about your boy? <laughs> I can't believe you didn't bring up your other boy that you were you were hyping up in our first segment here. Who? The striker from uh Pumas. Dinano? Dinano who scored both goals last night. Is, is he like, lesser known? No, he's not. I guess it's lesser known, probably to most of the MLS audience. I mean, the guy has nine goals in seven Champions in games. Yeah, but not
1: think every Pumas game. paid would... a four million dollar transfer fee for him. He would have to be a designated player if he came to MLS. But yeah, sure, he's great.
2: I'm a big yeah, fan guess, of his. I guess he's neither younger in the no. sense that he, that that uh, yeah. Sean was asking, nor lesser known. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, he is a he is a player in CCL who caught. He has caught certainly the eye. caught the
1: eye. Yes, he has certainly caught the eye. Um, You know, actually one guy, and and again, this isn't going to happen. He's already been in MLS. Uriel Antuna was really good for Cruz Azul in CCL. Um, I think he grew a lot from what we saw of him in MLS when he was with the Galaxy. Um, Again, not a guy that would be on this list for lesser known. He is young, but he's emerging with Mexico. On the national team level, he's done well in Liga MX. If he moves, he he ain't moving back to MLS. He'll be going to Europe, I would imagine. But um, yeah, interesting player. He caught my eye in CCL too. Now we're just like way off the rails. I
2: Please, just can't, go back to the Costa Rican U fifteen national. I just league. I just can't believe that when I went to go ask the question, I was only then that I saw that you had called dibs on the one guy you knew I was going to talk about <laughs> when we got to <laughs> that question.
1: Should have called dibs, man. What can I tell you? Uh, unbelievable. All right. Unbelievable. We have do we have more questions? We have more questions.
2: Um, you got to you got to announce what Pullman.
1: This- what Vaughn this area Pullman.
2: is, Sam? You've got to say what 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 is this called?
1: Paul labeled this gam slash dork stuff. Sorry, Vaughn. I guess you're a gam dork. Um, we know your stance on wanting to loosen MLS roster constraints, but what do you see is the realistic timeline of that happening,
2: Paul? What do you see?
1: Give us yeah, a timeline. We, we mentioned it timetable? earlier.
2: I think I think the most realistic timeline is at the end of the next CBA that there could be some some changes. Um, I do think that we'll see some smaller changes on the path there. Like I think that the intra transfers, buying and selling of players without GAM. That's not a small change. It's a, it's it's a it's a it's a smaller structural change. It's not a huge overall overarching change to how MLS does business completely. But like it's a it's one thing that will get changed. I think that happens in the next uh I want to say next year. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it'll happen within the next year, but that feels it on, on the strong. document it's pretty aggressive. There's going to
1: be some legal stuff I think they have to jump through
2: there. But it's been discussed for so long now. It's been like four years in the process. I, I've, I I just think that because I've had more and more people start talking about it as, oh, when this this transfer market opens. Paul, I have a question for you. Yeah. How long have people been telling you that homegrown territories are going to end? Like, are we on like five years now? Six? Uh, it's, no, it was never that. It's they wanted it to end. I've had people
1: telling me it was going to end within a year, for at least three or four
2: years. (laughs) I, I, I did not think that because I did that story where I where I talked to people on both sides of it and had incredibly long conversations with both Peter Vermees and Ali Curtis, who were so passionately. What a stupid world that we live in! By the way, both of their sides, like,
1: like, yeah, like let's like let's like scream about homegrown territories for an hour. Like anyway. I'm sorry for yeah, and it's
2: just it, to me. I was like, after I got off those calls, I was like, well, this isn't happening anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, people are too passionate on both sides. Okay, Sam, do you have an opinion on when it's going to change? When the structural changes happen? I mean, the structural changes, like like blowing it all up and do they ever the
0: model? happen? I don't
1: know that they ever happen. Um, in terms of financial changes, and I mean, there's going to be stuff that happens in the in the life of the current CBA, and I would imagine before the World Cup too. Right. We've seen that repeatedly, like whether it's DP rule, whether it's TAM, whether it's U22, all of that stuff was mid CBA. MLS is going to do that whenever it wants to. It's not going to and the CBA isn't going to be necessarily all that relevant to it. So I would expect some things
2: for the next couple of years. All right, but. we're gonna we're gonna rapid fire through a couple of these just because of where we are in the podcast now. Any, our interleague uh, gam deals real taxable transactions between two entities, or the league just reallocating monopoly money? It's just reallocating money. But think of it as essentially an accounting figure, it, not, not anything more than that. Um, obviously, it's real money that that they can use on roster space, but it's not cash that's moving back and forth. That's what we're talking about with this. Potential new transfer. The IRS does up. not need to know. And that's from Alex K. Um, uh, from Sounder Navia. Are there any monetary roster rewards, i.e., extra GAM if an MLS team wins win CCL? There is a monetary reward for winning CCL, and there are and the teams are given more GAM when they qualify for CCL, so that they can add more depth to the roster to be more competitive. I don't think you get more GAM for winning it. Yeah, I don't know. I have to it's look probably, into that. It's worth asking. Yeah. And also does the CBA account for states/country variances in income tax cost of living with regard to player salaries? No, it doesn't. Um that's a big big issue. If you're making the league minimum in San Jose versus making the league minimum in Kansas City, you're doing better in Kansas City.
1: Yeah. Um all players are paid in American dollars though. Um, yeah. including the ones on the three Canadian teams. Uh
2: Paul, how has MLS
1: Next and MLS Next Pro been going so far? Let's let's just stick to MLS Next Pro. Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's from that's from FPL underscore owlbear.
2: <laughs> of course. It's important to get I think that in. Op- opinions vary. <laughs> I I have to to be fair, I have to make more phone calls to to really give an accurate picture overall. Yeah. I've had I've heard mixed reviews. You know, some teams feel like they're getting exactly what they want out of it. Some people feel like it's headed in the right direction, that it took a little bit too much time for MLS Next Pro to make some of the hires that they needed to make behind the scenes. Um some people feel like they've been really happy to get minutes for their academy players, real consistent minutes. Um, other teams feel like, you know, the things that I talked about as kind of my concerns, which is that they're playing in front of nobody and there's no real pressure or stakes or anyone watching and that that will have an impact on development. Not
1: that different than the USL situation. For uh, I, I disagree
2: with that, but I, I, I don't want to be unfair here. I think I need to make like probably 15 to 20 phone calls to get a really accurate picture <laughs> of how people feel about it. Seriously, wow. though. Um, I at least half the league. I I think that's fair as well. This, this league's very big
1: now. Um, one thing that I have heard, um, from several people is that the camera stuff is a problem. Um, (laughs) for those who don't know MLS next pro it's operated by an AI camera. Um, and it makes it very hard to identify players and to scout players, even, even players on, on people's own in their own MLS organization. So, The scouts, the technical directors, the sporting directors, they're not getting a good feed of the game that they can really use and work off of. So that's obviously less than ideal. Um, And that's That's something that I think people are frustrated by around the entire league. Um, Paul, let's let's move on to a few kind of random grab bag type questions is there a player in mls i like this one is there a player in mls you will go out of your way to watch just a pure entertainment value player and i'm gonna limit myself i won't be able to say new who
2: yeah i mean i think honestly for me right now no that player doesn't exist really um i i i thought about this one and and there used to be players like i used to love watching miguel amiron and joseph Martinez play together like mm-hmm. that was like a team I looked and there are teams that I will watch in MLS that I know will will put a good product on the field. Like I enjoy watching Seattle and uh LAFC, I think has played some good soccer, NYCFC can be really entertaining as well. But is there an individual player that's wowing me that's like, man, I gotta watch this guy? I don't think so. I don't think that there's that person right now for me. Hmm. I would
1: put Tati Castellanos is my answer for this. I think he's grown and developed where he's not just scoring a bunch of goals, but he's really impacting the game in basically every single facet. And I don't think he's going to be around for very much longer. (laughs) Uh, I would expect that he'll move in the summer. Um, So we got to enjoy him while we have him here. I would certainly put him there. And Hani Mukhtar is fun to watch. Nashville is not particularly fun to watch, but when he gets the ball, he can do some pretty magical things. Um, So I would throw him in that category too. For me, I just named maybe the two best players in the entire league from an attacking perspective, super creative. I know, um, for a weirdo hipster pick, uh, John Tolkien for his hair in part, it's so weird. And in part for like, he just gets up and down. He, he he plays, I think really high energy soccer, uh, appropriate for red bull and that club. Um, but I think he's got some talent as well. Um, and kind of an interesting one for me to watch. So,
2: yeah, there you go. The sad thing is, there are like a lot of players I hate watching MLS. Does that count as entertainment value? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, if, you go, if you go out of your way. No, nah, I don't go out of my way. But I, when I, when they're on, I get angry that they're on. Okay. Um, <laughs> Small gauge is asking this question: uh, the ecological report. How stable uh, is George Heights' job in Chicago? It seems they only swing for the fences and mostly miss or take on very raw projects without much middle ground where good, most good MLS teams are built. How many more swings is he going to get? Hmm. That's a tough question to answer. I, I don't know how many, I think he, I think Do we know how long his contract is. I believe he's up at the end of this year. Yeah. I believe he's up at the end of this year. And so that, that is why it's a very valid and important question. I could see him getting renewed very easily. Um, when I sat down with Joe Mansueto, it felt like he, he what didn't feel like he was very clear that he, he trusts and supports, um, the front I mean, office. He did, he did
1: just buy a Swiss team, probably pretty clearly on George heights, recommendation.
2: Right? So I think the odds I'd put the odds as more likely for him to stay than to go. But if this team struggles the way that they have been, I mean, look, they're, they're okay in the standings right now, but they have five goals in eight games. They're not going to win a lot of games doing that. Um, but if they never allow shots on goal, they're not going to lose games either. Well, that's the strategy right now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I could see him. I could see him being moved on. But I, I think right now the odds are with him staying. Yeah, I would agree. Paul, one last question.
1: And this is for you specifically. How are you feeling on your bold prediction of Miguel Angel Ramirez, MLS Pep, best coach in the league, being fired in Charlotte?
2: How are you feeling? yeah i mean it wasn't that he was going to be fired i predicted he'd be fired in nine games within nine yeah, games that's, that's, the I, th- I thought you said 11 no no i think it was nine games that was the the record was nine games or the record maybe the record was 11 and i thought he'd get fired in nine uh you know i think he's done an incredible job with that team with that roster he's been given i think he's a very good coach they're very organized and i still think it's possible that he gets fired this season uh um, wow but I don't come into those predictions, the, the put your, you know, balls on the table prediction. Is that what we call it? I don't
1: know, dude. I don't put words in my mouth here. <laughs> I
2: don't think that's what we call it, but that's how I think of it. And it's it's basically like what is like an outrageous thing that is unlikely to happen, but could potentially happen that you think could happen. I have, I have no problem with that prediction, just like I had no problem with my prediction about Red Bull last year. And... I might have been a year too early on that Red Bull train. All right. Just so many excuses, man.
1: My I'm God. just saying, I've got just no regrets. so many. Like, I've like got when no you're wrong, you're
2: wrong, man. Regrets. He's not going
1: to get fired in 11 games. It's
2: well, okay. I ha- I, clearly, they played 10. I, I'm not saying I was right. I'm saying I have no problem with the prediction I made.
1: All right, whatever.
2: You just doubled down on being incorrect, buddy. No, um, the question is, how am I feeling about it? I am feeling okay. <laughs> I, I'll be wrong, but I'm still feeling okay about why I made that prediction. And, you know, being wrong or being right doesn't matter sometimes. Oh, okay. Let's just say whatever we want. No. Who cares? It, it doesn't a, matter. Just, Nothing it, matters. I'm sorry, This is Sam. allocation
1: disorder. No, Nothing matters. Yeah, that's Thank true. you for listening. Especially I'm Sam. Show. He's Paul.
0: This is the end of the show. <laughs>